Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast called What Feels Most True. I'm Rachel, yoga studio owner, teacher, trainer, and coach. And I'm Mel, licensed counselor, yoga teacher, and we're here to share with you heartfelt and sometimes silly conversations about what feels most true to us in this moment. We are sisters committed to our own paths of growth, understanding, and compassion, and we hope to provide you with a perspective of both empathy and empowerment. We're giving you permission now to step into more joy, to allow your life to be fluid and always up for reconsideration. Remember, what feels most true can be lifelong and ever-changing. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we thought we would do something a little bit more light, a little bit more joyful, and actually talk about fun, joy, play, all of that. Um, So if you know me, and if you've listened to previous podcasts, you know that I'm an Enneagram 7. So fun and joy basically exist as my steady state or... uh, (laughs) or something that I pursue relentlessly, much to my own detriment, a lot of the time. So I thought this is also an important thing to talk about. I do know I have a lot of friends and I see people who have a difficult time with fun and joy too. Um, And it's a topic that has maybe even more depth than we think it does. So we wanted to bring that up today. So to start out, I'm just curious for you, Rach, what elicits some fun and joy for you or what's the role it's played? Are you a person who struggles with it or is, is it something that's easy to tap into for you? So, uh, I'd love to hear. Yeah. Um, I am someone who loves like fun, ridiculousness, (laughs) spontaneity, like Atrocities, (laughs) atrocities, <laughs> like just like <laughs> off the wall moments or whatever. Um, like I, I love that. And I love being around people that bring me into that state. It's one of the reasons I love being around you because it's really easy for us to like go into that sp- state pretty quickly and stay there. <laughs> um, and I think it's also why I like Dakota so much, um, because he has, a lightheartedness about him that is pretty like jokestery and, and silly at times. And, and so, yeah, I, it's really important to me. I have the best times when I tap into joy, when I tap into those states. Um, yet I feel like it's taken a lot of consciousness over the past few years, especially to bring it into my life on a regular basis. It was something that I got into the habit as a young adult of like keeping that for the weekends and like not letting there be time for fun and joy and spontaneity and lack of routine or whatever during the weekdays. And so for a lot of our like early adult lives, our early marriage years, um, it wasn't really something that in a conscious way, I prioritized all the time and definitely not always in like a healthy way either. (laughs) Um, but nowadays for me, it looks like always music, dancing, Mm. moving my body, like my body and music are the two like fastest ways for me to tap into fun and joy. Um, and like I mentioned any form of idiocracy, whether it's like (laughs) acting a fool or doing off the wall things or saying off the wall things. Like, I just, I love that like edginess of joy. (laughs) Um, I love funny movies like Dennis, the menace and uncle buck and the Mm. Austin powers movies and the Ace Ventura movies. So I get a kick out of the old, like classic funny movies. Some of the new age funny movies aren't as funny to me for some reason. Oh, I guess I like, um, uh, stepbrothers and that sort of humor, but I'm picky about my humor. Um, and then I, I think travel and like seeing new places brings me a lot of joy because it just sparks all of my senses. And it's just this like 
stimulation of all sorts of new stimuli. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing new places, being in new environments brings me a lot of joy. Um, drinks with friends and definitely a newer development is um, expression of my sexuality in all different forms has also um, started bringing me a lot of joy. So those are things that I've started to prioritize over the past few years that for most of my life, or at least my early adult years, I didn't. Um, So what about you? I mean, I know you mentioned that fun and joy kind of is always a priority for you, but what does that look like? Or what does it feel like for you? Yeah. um, It's so funny because just thinking back on my life, fun and joy are typically in it you alluded to this, like it's always my default. I go into it, but sometimes it's an avoidant thing. (laughs) And when I say sometimes, I mean, a lot of the time, (laughs) like I dick off to avoid doing things that are actually things that would be good to get done. Or, you know, guys, I worked at a library. Rachel knows this story. (laughs) It's very funny to me now. So I'm in grad school. I'm working at the seminary library. It was not a busy day. It was just, it was nice out. I had other stuff to do. I was (laughs) the only one working because it was a small library. So school, rural, rural Ohio. I shut that shit down four hours early. (laughs) I closed the entire library. I (laughs) so I could go enjoy and be outside. (laughs) So tell me what that is. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Will you also tell the story about your Disney World escapade? Oh, heavens. Okay. So I'm 22. (laughs) Finishing up. (laughs) No. Okay. I'm in my senior year of college. It's spring semester. I read, eat, pray, love. I think I'm Liz Gilbert. I decide... (laughs) you know what? I'm going to Disney world and I'm trying out to be a character or like a princess or (laughs) something, you know, I don't know what it is, but I'm going down there, man. This is me. My spiritual quest as opposed to going to India. I went to Disney world (laughs) and took my mom (laughs) and took, took my mom and my friend Jules. And so we go, I had to learn I had this like cute new little pink outfit on. Shoot, I was looking good. And then (laughs) I had to learn a dance routine. And guys, let me tell you, I did. So we did, we started off with like interviews that went really well. Um, Most of the time I can talk to a wall though I don't enjoy it, but I'm pretty social. So that goes well. Then we get to this dance routine and there are turns, there are claps, there are shimmies. I could not, we're looking in a mirror. So then it had me thrown off all backwards. I'm doing the the wrong sides. (laughs) No one ever taught a sister about a reflection. And then, (laughs) so needless to say, I did not make it past the second round. (laughs) The girl did not. But she chased her joy. All right. (laughs) (laughs) She chased her joy. Damn it. Then I went to Harry Potter world after I bought a wand, you know, (laughs) healed. I was healed. The joy was still going. (laughs) So anyways, let's just say all that to be said, I've had a relationship with fun and joy forever. Problematic (laughs) at times, perhaps (laughs) we're working on it. Um, so now fun and joy, (laughs) definitely something I seek out. So especially as a therapist, I feel like, you know, as everyone does, and I think especially playful and fun people have, there's a shadow side there for sure. I think the ability of fun to have fun and be really lighthearted comes out of um, a place from being able to hold a lot of darkness as well. Um, I mean, you see that in the most obvious of ways with comedians and things like that, blah, blah, blah. So Now I think what I find fun and joy in or is feeling like a flow state in my workspace. Um, 
So that is doing a little bit heavier work, but also being said, I know that I need to then balance that darkness with some light energy. So like you said, silliness, idiocracy, it's so funny. You were talking, I have written down in my notes off the wall shit. (laughs) And I put doing dumb shit. (laughs) Twins, Basil. (laughs) Yeah. Just dumb shit. Dumb shit makes me laugh. Like wearing wigs on a boat. Yeah, exactly. Stuff that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. (laughs) So not like obvious humor. Like I will never laugh at a pun. I won't. I won't laugh at a pun. I won't laugh at a dad joke. That ain't, that ain't funny. Uh -uh. Agreed. I want to see someone on a boat in a wig for no goddamn reason. (laughs) (laughs) I want it to not make an ounce of sense. (laughs) I don't know what that means about me, but I don't care. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So flow state at work, dumb stuff, silliness, When people are really being themselves fully, that's fun too. You and I so enjoy people who just, even if (laughs) it's not super appropriate, if they're just being themselves and you can tell when there's no performative aspect of someone's behavior, it's funny as crap, man. And you and I enjoy those people so much, like people who aren't trying to be funny and are just being themselves now that is fun for me um, yes which is why you and I tend to like older populations of women because I think <laughs> a lot of people who get over certain ages like just lose the ability to perform anymore <laughs> lose the ability to give a fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on my way <laughs> I'm on my way queens um. <laughs> but that is so fun and then obviously too living into skills, interests, value system. That's like a fun, but like a lower hum, you know, not Mm -hmm. fun that elicits excitement, but fun that feels like more of contentment. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. That was a point that I wanted to make is that I think that, um, joy can be like euphoria, Or it can be just like a really grounded gratitude, contentment, that sort of thing. I think sometimes that's like the forgotten, forgotten part of joy, like in the, in the coaching industry, at least, like, I feel like Mm -hmm. my Instagram newsfeed is just like full of stuff about like joy, abundance, pleasure. And I'll even like teach on those things sometimes, but I think how joy is portrayed often is it's thought of as like this achievement based, like lots to show for always something you're working towards. Like joy is kind of like this achieved thing when really, like you just said, I think more often than not the joy that we're all being asked to tap into if we want to enjoy life is that vibration of gratitude and contentment and like calm and presence in the moment. Yeah. Right. Right. Because I think a lot of times joy and happiness are pretty in fun. Even there are fleeting and it's beautiful to seek out those things out. It doesn't make it any less worthwhile. However, they're fleeting in nature as all emotions are, but I think contentment and what you're describing is more of a state of being. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that actually brings, I think, joy, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. it's a state of being that's rooted in, like you said, maybe being where you are, like being really present or being really content with where you are and tapping into gratitude to elicit that. Um, mm-hmm. How do you like to tap into contentment as opposed to just those like mountaintop moments that people describe or feeling excited or pleasure? Like, what do you do to get into that lower vibrational, but maybe more sustainable space? Yeah. The first thing that I do is I bring my mind back to my body. Um, if I'm not present in and aware of my body, contentment, gratitude, joy, they're all completely inaccessible. Um, so my body 
is the channel into any of those frequencies and vibrations. So for me, it's presence, presence, uh, meaning like being aware of and in tune with my body. So it might just look like 10 deep breaths with my eyes closed, just to kind of like feel my body on the seat or feel my body on the floor or, um, to notice my surroundings. So definitely like bringing my mind to my body is like one of the easiest, quickest ways for me to completely shift from, um, some sort of less tricky, undesirable emotion into a state of somewhat groundedness, presence, joy, contentment, that sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I also had somebody, um, recently just suggest, um, that when you're doing that body scan and you're closing your eyes and you're noticing your breath, you're actually scanning your body for places of pleasure, like noticing anywhere in your body that feels good. And it could be like a really obscure place, like behind your knee that you're like, it just feels fucking good behind my knee. All right. Like, like my, my knee <laughs> filled with fucking joy. <laughs> and it sounds a little bit stupid. And I think like, oh. if you're not somebody that's real in touch with your body, it might take a little time to be able to connect with what in your body feels good at first. Like at first it might just be noticing, but then I think if you want to take it a step further and try to connect with joy right away is to, cause normally we notice our body and we either we've been conditioned to either notice what hurts, notice what feels like shit or to notice what we want to change. And I think it can be really empowering. Um, to start regularly scanning the body for what feels good for scanning the body for pleasure. And that's a really nice like way on your own that you can rewire your nervous system so that your go-to is daily to, to notice what feels. <laughs> Mel's got her nip bad out. I can't, uh, this, this is my homework. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that's a really easy way you on your own can um, try to rewire your nervous system to look for what feels good, to look for pleasure in your body, to look for joy in your body. And and that's an empowering thing Um, because like you said, it is fleeting, um, but it doesn't have to be. I think like that's another conditioned thing is like when I hear that, sometimes I want to say, when did you decide that? Um, Because I think like we've already said, the really sustainable joy that we're all truly seeking, like what we're, we're, we're not seeking mountaintop moment joy every day, like the euphoric joy, um, or bliss as the yogis would call it. Um, like what we really want is kind of like this groundedness, this like joy of groundedness in, in each day. And, and, uh, kind of forget where I was going with that, but, um, yeah, yeah you got the important parts. <laughs> I like that. Well, that's the end of the podcast because amen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so good though. Like you said, I think, yeah, the fun and the joy that's mountaintop, that's the fleeting part, but the sustainable, the groundedness, the being actually being a present and alive in your life and feeling joy, but the low hum of joy, I think that can be definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And like, when I said, like, when did you decide that is, um, my point, I guess was in saying that that kind of grounded, sustainable joy, gratitude, contentment, like, I don't think it has to be fleeting. I can, I think it can be a daily practice. And sure, there will be days, seasons, whatever, where it's less accessible and it's really hard to be present in your body because it might be a season of physical pain or a season of grief or all of the above. Um, But I do think that that kind of joy, like, which is in my opinion, actual joy, Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't think that's fleeting. I don't think it has to be. I think we can rewire our nervous systems to be able to hold that vibration on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So maybe it's like excitement is fleeting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Periods of quote unquote fun, which is more like amusement, et cetera, that fleeting, but joy is more of a steady state, something that we can definitely cultivate. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Cause I think like entertainment, like entertainment, Uh um, fun, like, like I've mentioned, like euphoric, like that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. I think is like occasional, um, you know, but Yeah. yeah, to me, joy is, is sustainable on some level, even if like you've said, it's just a low hum of joy. Like you might be in what Pema Chodron calls like, um, hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Um, and even still in that ground of like uncertainty, unknown, like, Mm -hmm. um, not sure why you're here, but you're here Mm -hmm. in the spot and you don't know what comes next. Like this groundless hopelessness, um, state, which we all face throughout life. I, I still feel like that kind of joy where you're just present in your body, um, Mm -hmm. is still accessible, even in those States where like Mm -hmm. the darkness is kind of taken over a little bit. And I think that kind of joy, because I'm a person who the pursuit of like fun and joy for all the time makes me actually the opposite. So it's less of a pursuit and more like a God, this is going to sound like yogi and annoying, but just a release into like, what is, what is. So I think acceptance maybe, and then obviously practices to build off of acceptance, like gratitude, et cetera, um, mindfulness, those can cultivate joy as a steady state. But yeah, I think the pushing and striving, which is definitely where I'm like, I need to have fun. I want to have fun. You know, I panic mm-hmm. if I'm not happy all the time. And that actually makes me unhappy, but it's, it's different than that. It's like a, a release into, okay, this is what exists right now. And, um, yeah, yeah. I think that's the, that's the key. That's the myth of joy. I think is that Mm -hmm. it is fleeting perhaps, and that Mm -hmm. it is, um, like something to be sought after or something that needs to be created like sure you can definitely create like external structures in your life of joy but that I really feel like I've had moments where I just kind of feel this like understanding of joy like if I'm present in my body and I'm having a calm grounded day I've taken care of myself I've got some downtime or some quiet time I'm like actually like this is really deep joy Mm -hmm. um yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So speaking I know. of, uh, like tapping into joy, what feels like, um, blocks it for you? Yeah, definitely shoulds and shouldn'ts, you know? So that comes from a lot of cultural conditioning of Here's what work looks like. Here's what play looks like. Here's where play is reserved for. Like you said, for the weekends, I think I, you know, subconsciously fell into that structure of, okay, well, everyone else is working on a week work week. Cause I work for myself. I should be working too. I shouldn't be having fun right now. I should be working. And even if work is moderately enjoyable, I shouldn't or should, or shouldn't be doing it. So in therapy, it's like this corny statement, like you're shooting yourself, which you know, I'm like, blah, blah, blah. But what that statement really means is I think anytime we put shoulds or shouldn'ts on ourselves, we have this natural tendency. Our bodies don't like that. Our bodies don't want to be put in a box. And so I think we naturally then rebel against it. So if you say to yourself, like, I shouldn't have have this ice cream tonight, what's the one freaking thing you're going to think about? You're going to think about the damn ice cream all night, you know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to being like, do I want this? Do, will this feel good for me? You know, approaching things in different ways. So shoulds and shouldn'ts add a lot of pressure. Um, and that blocks joy for me, just, um, circumstances, definitely, you know, the obvious one, (laughs) 
they block joy. So if life is going tough and not even joy, maybe, maybe we're talking once again about the happiness, maybe they block happiness or pleasure or amusement. Um, anxiety, I think can rob moments of, um, being present or happy or content or whatever insert word you want to use. I know language is important, but I'm using things a little bit uh, interchangeably here, but yeah, anxiety that creates storylines about what things mean. So, you know, if I'm having a moment where I'm really present in my body and someone makes a comment, that's a little bit confusing for me. And then my brain creates stories that can zap it in a millisecond. Mm -hmm. Um, As I mentioned a little bit ago, excitement chasing that actually, you know, me chasing these mountaintop moments as I do. And I think a part of it's like that Enneagram sevenness that, you know, something biologically, some wiring for me is, um, wired to chase highs that actually blocks that joy, which I view as that low hum of contentment of joy of being present, um, being in my head as opposed to my body. So thinking about experiences as opposed to being in them. So I oftentimes, and I struggle with this and I'm working on this actively now is I'll be in a moment and I'm thinking, isn't this nice? Isn't this fun? Oh, look, everyone's around and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not even in the moment. I'm in my head forcing policing gratitude (laughs) and not actually in the moment. And it definitely (laughs) blocks everything because I don't feel it. It's a thought exercise, you know? It's not an actual felt thing for me. So that'll definitely block it. So I'm working on getting out of my head just a little bit more into my body and existing and not having to think about existing or think about what I'm thinking and feeling. Um, or the idea once again, and this is excitement chasing, but the idea of more like, Ooh, okay. I'm having fun. I need to have more fun. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. I think where I've gotten into trouble, um, I I'm a very mindful drinker at this point in my life, but earlier in my twenties, as a lot of us are, I would have two drinks and be like, I am having so much fun having drinks with people. I want to have more fun. I need three drinks. You know, I need four drinks. And then that blocks all fun. You know, then you're blacked Mm -hmm. out and you're like, holy shit. And now I feel like crap the next day and I'm in the shame cycle. So, um, the idea of more definitely too. So yeah, that's a lot of different things, but all blockers for me. What about you? Anything similar, anything different? What, what's it like for you? Yeah. I think the biggest block is just, um, like you said, not being present in the moment. And that can be for a variety of different reasons. It can be due to stress. It can be due to worry. It can be due to anxiety. Um, if I'm going through a period or a day of intense sadness or intense anger, those often make it really difficult for me to be present in my body. Um, I'm just kind of like exiting out of a season of an injury and the injury, like physical pain makes it really hard to want to be present in your body and present in the moment, which is where I believe where we both believe joy lives. Um, and I think, um, like withdraw, which I mentioned in, um, one of the other podcasts, which kind of used to be a go-to for me. If I was having like a tough period of time, I would kind of just like withdraw from people, like create space to like isolate myself. It was kind of like a safety, like coping mechanism type thing. Um, but that creates a lack of a connection, a lack of vulnerability, which then is definitely for me, like a huge blocker of joy because connection and vulnerability bring me a lot of joy. So, um, yeah, any, any of those things that make it hard to be present in the moment, um, Mm -hmm. are what block joy for me. You know, what I thought I just had was, is I hate when I've never been able to articulate this till this conversation. So this is a new thing. I've always had an issue with the statement, choose joy. I'm like, I don't know what it was, but because I do believe that there's an active conscious component to it potentially, but 
it's also like, that's so easy to say, like, tell a depressed person to choose joy. Let me know how that works. Like I wouldn't have a job if that worked, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so looking at that statement and how it ties to what you and I were just saying is when you're in your head, like thinking about everything and like my example of like, isn't this fun? This is so good, but I'm not actually present in my body that is me trying to choose joy. So like choosing joy, I think, uh, signifies that you need to use your brain to feel joy. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's actually like, Hey, just release into joy. You know, maybe that's a better statement, like release acceptance as a gateway to joy, you know, non-attachment or, um, non-resistance into joy, as opposed to like, I'm going to use this thought exercise to get into my joy, which Mm -hmm. feels antithetical because you know what I mean? It's like using your brain to get into your body. I mean, sometimes that works, but I think using my body to get into my body is typically more effective than using my mind to get there. I don't know. That's just a thought. What are your, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the whole premise of what we know of as yoga here in the West, when people hear yoga, that's the whole premise of like the physical practice of yoga was developed much later. Um, uh, like all of the mat practice, the poses, that sort of thing, which you already know was developed much later than the actual practice of yoga, which was essentially presence. It was meditation and breath. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of the physical practice was that people moved, used the body, used awareness and presence and, and attention to the body to be able to then tap into the mind because Mm -hmm. it wasn't working like the other way around. Like the mind is not an avenue into the body. The body is an avenue into the mind. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think statements like choose joy are annoying because it's, yeah. And, and I think it's because most people think joy is this like conscious achievement, creating of some external structure. And really what we're trying to say, I think is that joy is synonymous with presence because Mm -hmm. joy is not mountaintop. Like joy Mm -hmm. is presence, I think. And so absolutely. I think in my mind, choose joy is, could also be said as choose to be present, which yeah. is, which is definitely doable. Yeah. It's much more difficult for somebody who's suffering. I get why somebody who's suffering doesn't want to choose to be present. So this yeah. isn't like a cakewalk by any fucking means. I mean, it's the reason CrossFit gyms or gyms or mud runs or all sorts of shit like that is full and yoga studios aren't like, like choosing presence is tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, tough. oh yeah. There's a reason why we all rock, walk around like drunk babies all the time. Cause being <laughs> yeah. present is really hard. Cause a lot of times what is, isn't pleasant, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think it's probably the same reason, like we've both expressed like gratitude practices and everybody getting preachy about gratitude practices can be really fucking annoying too, because most of the time, the way that they're taught, the way that they're carried out is from a conscious heady place Uh rather than from a felt embodied state of being like, you feel this thing in your body and that's what I'm grateful for. And that's what I write down. It's not like all of these things bringing back the shoulds. Like I think a gratitude practice turns into a list of things you feel like you should be fucking grateful for. It like, does they're not actually felt <laughs> exactly right. And gratitude has been so wonky for me. Cause then I look at my gratitude list. And I'm like, bitch, you didn't deserve any of this. Like, <laughs> You know, so it just gets wonky, but yeah, when it's a thought exercise, it's so much different than, uh, you know, a body practice. Like I will tell clients sometimes you don't have to, this is my issue with CBT sometimes. So CBT cognitive behavioral therapy, the premise is that our thoughts create our emotions, which create our actions and CBT works with the mind to shift thoughts, which I think is helpful. Yes. I think there's a place for that. However, 
I don't think we can always think ourselves into feeling better. I think that can go down a rabbit hole. I think I'll tell people, how about sometimes you try to feel your way into feeling better, you know, and then maybe look at your thoughts, but I think it can be, be tell heady people like myself to start challenging their thoughts through a, you know, a series of questioning and et cetera. And we'll get lost up there all day, you know, it, because the thoughts never stop. So sometimes it's just best to exit and like physically move and just pay attention really closely to what you're doing when you're moving and then revisit the thoughts or like take a break and then get back to it. But yeah. Yeah. Getting into the somatics of things yeah. like the body of all of the emotions and of your experience is huge. And speaking of that, um, for you, where do you feel joy in your body? What does it feel like in your body? Yeah. Mm. So like the pulse of joy for me, um, I feel joy definitely in my chest. You know, that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's like a warmth fills my chest cavity, um, or my belly feels really settled. So there's an ease in my body, not to mean that my body always feels good as you know, I navigate some back pain and things like that, aches and pains and soreness and whatnot, but it's more not even muscular related though it can be, but yeah, there's this like hum through my body. Um, my face is relaxed. So there's an ease to it. Um, I feel lighter. I think there's a lightness and not this heaviness that I'm carrying, which helps me to not really take myself so seriously. And my, I can take my life seriously by not taking it seriously. If that makes any sense at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, I'm big in colors too. So I get like this light, you know, I see like light or yellows or golds or things like that. Cause I'm really, um, imagery is really big for me. So if I'm ever meditating, I get a lot of colors or images that come up. So yeah, that's what it's like for me. What is, what is it like for you? What comes up for you? Enjoy. Yeah. Well, first, I definitely think that that's a really good point that you made is, um, some people are very kinesthetic and feelings Mm. associated with like actual feelings in the body associated with emotions can come really natural to people. I'm a kinesthetic person. So I feel my way through everything and things come up for me really naturally as feelings. But for other people, like you mentioned visual, um, like seeing colors or actual images. And then there are people that sounds are really how they first like connect with or tap into their experience for others. It's taste, um, or it could be a combination. So that's a neat thing to kind of explore and to pay attention to, um, for all of you listening, uh, it doesn't have to just be feelings in the body, but the body is a really powerful way, as we've mentioned to tap into the mind. Um, and smells too, if I didn't mention that smells can also be, um, like powerful associations with states of being or emotions or that sort of thing. But yeah, for me, um, I get a feeling, I would say joy lives kind of around maybe my heart and throat space. That's kind of where I'm feeling it right now as I think about it. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a softening of the upper body area. So heart, throat, shoulders, neck, it's, it's kind of a, a lightened quality and it tends to also come with feeling very grounded, um, very present. And it feels like freedom. It feels like physical Mm -hmm. freedom. Um, And then it just kind of feels like freedom and life in general too. Mm, Yeah. That ease, that was a word Mm -hmm. I wrote down is it feels like ease and simplicity. Yeah. 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 Gosh. Right. I know the most, some of of my most joy filled moments are when I'm not 
trying so damn hard, you know, yeah, to, to be around people or to look a certain way or to feel a certain way when I'm just not trying super hard is typically when I feel a lot of joy. Exactly. Dakota and I have had this conversation or maybe you and I, um, but him and I definitely just as like the world for everyone has been so fucking crazy the past few years. And we've really gravitated towards, um, people that are effortless to be around where you can just like completely be yourself, like show all aspects of yourself and feel accepted, seen, heard, loved, like, we, I think our friend group is, is smaller. Like we spend a lot of time with generally like the same small group of people and they're like effortless to be around. And that's been one of the most like joyful practices for us is like, stop fucking spending time with people that are hard to spend time with. Yeah. Yeah. Life is hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I love that. Even as you were describing that, I felt like relaxing energy kind of going through my chest because it just feels you you can picture those friends that don't feel like effort or those people that don't feel like effort. You can just exist. You eat each other's Oreos at your houses, you know. It's just, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. an ease to it. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. 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 What are you going to say? <laughs> I was just going to say, um, one of the things as we were thinking about this podcast, you mentioned, um, the question of like, when we feel most ourselves. And I was curious, um, when do you feel most yourself? Yeah, I love this question. So you listeners, if you want to journal on this, I think it's an important one. Like, when do you feel most like you, the essence of you, you know, not the you, you should be, or you could be, but just you. Um, so I definitely feel most myself in connection with safe and easy people, people who, um, get me and, you know, we've worked to get to that point. There's not been, it wasn't effortless from the start, but people that I can feel really, I can just let go in front of, I feel myself. Then I feel like myself when I'm moving in some way, I'm moving my body. So hiking or exercising, but not in a punishing way. So like yoga, I feel like myself, um, I really feel probably most like myself when I'm being silly when I'm laughing and making other people laugh, but not in a way where I'm trying hard to make other people laugh. I'm just being kind of an idiot. And <laughs> fortunately or unfortunately, that doesn't feel like a lot of work to be <laughs> moronic eight days a week. Um, so when just, and when I'm laughing at others or stuff, like I love watching, I watch SNL and I just watch funny crap, like stuff on Instagram and people send me funny TikToks and that makes me laugh. I love laughing. It gets the easiest way to get me out of my head too. So, which is probably why I like it so freaking much. Um, and then when I'm just like snuggled up on my couch with Eric and ghost, uh, cause once again, there's just no trying. Right. And I've always been though. I'm, you know, I love to laugh and be silly and be social, there's an equal, if not greater part of me that likes to just exist and, uh, be cuddled under blankets and <laughs> lethargy is all my other study state. I'm either, lethargy. I'm either lethargy or I'm, you know, 10 cans of Mountain Dew. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, when I'm just kind of snuggled up existing and, uh, once again, just not trying super super hard. When do you feel like yourself? Like you're, yeah. Um, yeah, I loved this question too. I definitely, I mean, I touched on this just a moment ago, but when I can have free and open conversation with people, I love free and open conversation where kind of anything 
goes obviously with the lens through kindness, like it's not like offensive conversation, but like just where people are really open and I feel heard and appreciated in the conversation. That's like really when I feel myself. Um, and another thing that kind of came up that was actually an aha because I hadn't fully thought about it in this way is I've done quite a bit of solo travel over the years and I knew I always loved it in some ways. It really stretched me too. But one of the reasons I think I love it is because in some ways I'm my fullest self when I'm traveling like all around the world, because there's no judgment like that. I'm actually potentially have grown into somebody who's different than what everybody at home knows me to be like, Mm -hmm. I just kind of feel like I can be at times in my fullest expression because I'm around complete strangers that I might never see again. And there's just no judgment there. Like I get to be who I actually want rather than get looped into cycles of being somebody who's actually not quite my true self anymore, but it's just like the, it's the clothes that are being put on me by family or friends or people that have known me my whole life that say like, Oh, Rachel's this way. And it's actually kind of like, well, you're not fully paying attention or you've not fully given me the space. Cause that's not who I am anymore. Like I was for a time, but, yeah. um, so I think that, that that's one of the reasons I realized that I like travel mm-hmm. in general, I think, and solo travel is it's like so freeing into mm-hmm. like this fullest expression of self where, I don't feel like I'm too much or not enough. Yeah. Gosh, that sounds like freedom and there's no patterns. It sounds like the absence of those patterns that we all tend to fall into or that we get put into because Mm -hmm. of people who have known us. I know, gosh, you bring up such a good point. It's like, I'm, and I've worked really hard on this, but I'll say people expect me to be like the fun life of the party Mel. And some days I just don't have that, you know? And so it sounds like for travel for you, you just get to be a who you are, but whoever you are in that moment too, because no one knows anything else. Like there's Mm -hmm. no patterns. It's just existence presence once again. Yeah. And then to take ownership of this, because like, I don't want to frame it as like, travel is therefore like the only time I get to be most myself. Like, so the practice for me now has been and continues to be like, how can I be that self here now in my hometown, in my job on social media, with my family, with my friends, like, how can I start to let go enough to like fully show up as as myself and just accept the consequences of that, which can be tough, but it's like, that's, that's the practice. I think then for me is to, is to create that for myself here (laughs) and not just in Thailand on an Island by myself. (laughs) Though it's fun. (laughs) Though it's an option. (laughs) Though, Though we might. You know what I think we should do? And if you have more to say before we close, do you remember the laughing practice that I incorporated into the breath? Oh my gosh, I do. You did that in uh, YTT maybe too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to lead breath journeys, like full length breath classes and those can, can be heavy experiences. They aren't always, but they're generally like they can be exhausting, especially like for just the physical body, if you've not done that sort of thing and also for the nervous system. And so one of the ways I try to bring some lightheartedness or some joy back into the practice is to, uh, start a laughing practice where everybody literally just like laughs out loud in all sorts of different ways. And we usually carry it on for like a minute or two or whatever. And then we go back into the breath. So, um, if you're listening, I feel like this is a really good opportunity for a laughing practice. So there are literally no rules and regulations, but I challenge you to just like 
cackle out loud for like 20 to 60 seconds and then see how you feel afterwards. So do you want to laugh with me? Let's do it. Guys, turn your volume down if you're here or you're going to (laughs) die. she wrote (laughs) (laughs) I think that that is all that we have for today but I hope you laughed with us and we hope you feel seen and heard and a little bit little bit of joy little dose of joy or at least presence and acceptance maybe (laughs) yeah yeah we'll take any of it we'll take all of it but no more choosing joy Uh -uh. (laughs) don't you dare choose joy that's going to throw me right into a cramp. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We better end this thing before it ends us. Yeah, we're devolving fast. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, friends. It's Rachel. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. It really means a lot to us. If you found that this episode really hit home and resonated for you, please share about it on your social media pages. And we'd love for you to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're using to listen to us. And I also wanted to let you know that as I have mentioned in a lot of the previous episodes, I offer one-on-one mentorship and coaching, and I would absolutely love to chat with you further if that's something that you are interested in. I have single pop-in session options, and I also offer three and seven-ish month immersions, which I absolutely love that type of container is something that I have done a couple of times over the past five to 10 years. And working one-on-one with a mentor in that way has absolutely helped me to transform my life. And I would love to provide the same opportunity for you, whether it's something in your personal life that you want to dive into or something more related to business or kind of all of the above. So everything goes and feel free to reach out to me if that sounds like something that you'd be interested in. Have a wonderful day.